Do you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've discovered from my challenges with ADHD and chemo brain. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now certified productive environment specialist and ADHD productivity coach with well over 20 years of experience in business, office design, and productivity. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, wife, mom of a teen and a cat, and a lifelong geek. I'm old enough now to be proud of it. I've learned that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget our appointments, we can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and fits who we are with our unique brains. I believe that to be truly productive, we need to learn how to be intentionally unproductive. A strange twist for a productivity coach. But hey, I love to ski, sail, and surf. Listen in and learn how to streamline your space and systems so you can be more focused, organized, and have more time to be intentionally unproductive. Hi, everyone. Catherine Avery of ProductivityByDesign.com and your host of the Uncluttered Office podcast. I am super excited because... I had this brilliant idea to ask Aaron Croft to come on the podcast. And the next day, holy cannoli, if you believe in manifestation, he emailed me and said, can I come on your podcast? <laughs> A true story. It was nuts. So I'm super excited he's here. Aaron appeared to have it all when he got into Harvard, but that was just the beginning of his demise. He struggled nonstop for 15 years until he was broke, divorced, and earning minimum wage failing out of his first seven jobs and businesses. After getting a master's degree in coaching psychology and a diagnosis of inattentive ADHD, his life changed and he built a successful Fortune 500 career consulting to companies such as Marriott, Deloitte, Johnson & Johnson, McDonald's, KPMG, and United Healthcare. He also got remarried and most importantly, discovered how to get shit done with a neurodivergent brain a lot of what we talk about on this podcast pretty much weekly. Now, Aaron is on a mission to raise awareness about inattentive ADHD, how it goes under the radar, and how to rebuild your life post-diagnosis. Welcome. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. Thank you, Catherine. It's very, very exciting to be here. Productivity and this whole topic of your podcast is like one of my favorite topics in the world to geek out about and um, just full self-disclosure and a little bit of a, so the email, yes, I did contact Catherine the day after apparently she thought of this, uh, which she said in her reply, but of course that outreach email, I didn't send it. My admin sent it. (laughs) Well, I assume your admin probably did the research and helped you find which podcasts were a good fit for you. And then reached out. And the first thing I want to say about that is, is one of the best way we, whether we are ADHD or just overwhelmed, can be more productive is to get freaking help. Get help. I have an admin. And when we finally get to that point where I want to get on way more podcasts, I'm on about one to two a month. That's what she's going to do. She'll do the research, figure out the best places for me to be and reach out to people. I still call it manifestation, though, because I put that energy in the universe. 
I mean, look, Einstein told us E equals MC squared, everything, all the matter can be broken into energy. So I'm with you on the energetic universe. And I do believe in that. So I'm with you there. But I think, yeah, I just think that, you know, getting help, especially on some of these things where we can get affordable help. I mean, I, I say to my coaching clients and group coaching clients, ADHD success is a team sport. Mm. And there are a lot of elements to that delegating and finding support, especially in these things where you can do it cost effectively is huge, but there's other aspects as well. Just not trying to do the end to end process yourself, not trying to solve problems by yourself in a dark room because we run out of working memory often and we just hit that overwhelm and, and, or that like anxiety loop. And so, yeah, it's um, all the above. One of the things we were talking about before we started officially recording, was the difference between inattentive ADHD and combined type or hyperactive type. I am combined type. And I would love for us to talk about that, I guess specifically as as it pertains to how you're running a program, how you're getting out in the world, promoting inattentive ADHD, and most importantly, how are people getting lost in the cracks? Because I'm a woman, so I got lost in the cracks. I'm a 55-year-old woman, and it doesn't matter that I was combined type. I wasn't a boy. And also, I was in school in the 70s. I was naturally lost in the cracks. But I am fully aware, being in this world, that inattentive ADHD more easily gets dropped in the cracks. So I'd love for you to talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. So as you said, it definitely, I mean, being a woman definitely goes under the radar much more. But they also find that the inattentive presentation of ADHD is more frequent in women than in boys. So I think it really comes down to like if we if we did a poll on the street and, you know, we walked around kind of tonight show style with a microphone and asked people like, what's the first image that comes to mind when you think of ADHD? Right. They're going to have some some version of either like the dog and up with like squirrel, 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 or, you know, some like five-year-old boys just bouncing off the wall, throwing paint, causing mayhem. And if you don't fit that stereotype, uh, which people with inattentive ADHD often don't, you aren't going to get noticed. At least, you know, I'm 40 years old. So I was, you know, in school in the, well, I was in lower school or whatever we call these things in like the late eighties and nineties. So, yeah, so it just, it's a lot of people have combined types. So they, they, they understand the inattentiveness experience of uh, forgetting things easily and having, having trouble kind of focusing on a task or easily distracted or having trouble managing complex projects. But what we, we that have the inattentive only presentation have is that we don't have necessarily that that constant hyperactivity you know as acts as if driven by a motor we don't have necessarily that constant impulse to interrupt and to to blurt something out before we if anything we have the opposite where we get too in our heads too overthinking things you know and so it's it's just a little bit of a different experience even getting the energy to do tasks can often seem just so overwhelming and so, you know, sometimes it's like, gee, I wish I had some of that hyperactive impulsiveness. <laughs> Except it can lead you the wrong direction. 
So there's there's pluses and minuses. And I should have put in a caveat that we didn't talk about. And that's that my daughter is inattentive type. Mm. I call her the sloth. Well, <laughs> she right. Would, she would be very happy never leaving her little spot on the couch. Yeah, I know. And it's and I think that's another area where things get really challenging because so much of ADHD is one, just misunderstood and confusing. But two is, you know, ever since in the 80s, when they took ADD out of the DSM-3 revised version and it ceased as a medical diagnosis, we've just, ADHD has just been the blanket term for everything. But so many people's experiences can be so wildly different that when we keep it lumped in under this one umbrella, it can feel very invalidating or confusing if your daughter is reading a thing or watching a video about how to calm yourself down so you're not running around like crazy. She's like, man, I wish I could get off the couch. She does not wish she could get off the couch, but that's okay. (laughs) What's interesting is, and a little bit about her experience, is in sixth grade, she got into more advanced math. And and they all do in sixth grade. And suddenly now she's having to solve six, seven part equations, you know, and they all have to be in order. Of course, I'm forgetting what that acronym is right now, but you know what I'm talking about where you have to do addition, subtraction, multiplication, blah, blah, blah. And she struggled with it tremendously because she's like, well, I'm just going to put the answer. And I'm like, but you have to show your work. You have to show the steps because if you mess up on step three, they can see that you got it to step three and you can get partial credit. She just didn't want to deal with any of it. So it became this major sort of processing issue. And the first thing they did was they said, she's got executive function challenges. And as I watched her struggle, and of course, we got her tutors and the whole nine yards because it was different times. You know, she was in learning skills. She had all the things. I started to say, huh, that looks kind of familiar. I kind of remember some challenges and struggles like that. I wonder if, and then I had the chemo brain. This is really all concurrent. It all happened at the same time. And with the, I called the chemo brain. So one of the things we do in coaching schools, they give us this fast brain, big brain. And they say that fast brain are the people who are the bullet, silver bullet train speeding down the tracks. Mm. That's the hyperactive element. Mm. And then the big brain are what they call Buddhists sitting in the field, very Zen, doing their thing. The train flies on by, you know, that kind of deal. For me with chemo brain, the train was off the tracks. It was just completely derailed. (laughs) Lying in the field, but not really planning to be there. How do we get back on the train, right? So watching her and seeing her now as a junior in high school, having had all the things I didn't have, succeed. Mm -hmm. Part of it was, this is such a great story. I'll try to keep it short. The summer after the pandemic, we couldn't do anything. And people said, what is your daughter going to do? What are you going to do with her? And I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do with her. I'm working. She's going to have to figure it out. She's 15. She spent the entire summer, summer watching CSI and all these criminology, mind, psychology things. And now her dream is to go and be a person who's a criminologist, who's someone who's studying. She wants to study criminal psych. And then ideally work for the FBI's BAU, which is 
really hard to get into and really elite. But what happened was all those challenges in school, now that she had something to hyper-focus on, right? So she hyper-focused yep. all summer sitting in her little spot on the couch on criminal stuff, then went and started really studying school and making sure that she can get into the best possible program to have all the opportunities to do this thing that's her dream that, by the way, a year and a half later is still her dream. So mm. her dream may change someday. I'm not a fool. I get that. But for now, she used, and I think this is something people don't realize, you can use ADHD for good. Yeah. The hyper-focus can be a great thing. It doesn't have to just be that you're playing Candy Crush. It can be that you're hyper-focused on something that now becomes your career path. I'm yeah. having a hunch that might happen to you. Not watching yeah. Criminal Minds. <laughs> Getting hyper-focused on a path, hence the coaching psychology degree. Yeah, I mean, that's... And it's something that I work on with clients, but it's so important that story you share about your daughter because... There, there are so many elements in there that, that are super important for anyone with ADHD. Certainly, I mean, I, I obviously know the inattentive world better, but it's super important and that often don't exist, right? And so the first thing is really uncovering that, that like intrinsic interest, right? So this wasn't Catherine top down saying, you need to be interested in criminology, so this kind of grew organically. And then, yeah, it's really like the way that the, the image in my mind is that we have this like really strong, intense, almost like a geyser in Yellowstone, like this source of just incredible fuel burning inside of us. And it's our job to find it and identify it because once we do, we can have unlimited success. Uh, as you say, it's kind of using the ADHD for good. And so I think the topic is really interesting and it's nice to have a goal that kind of motivates you. And then another aspect, and this thing your daughter might run into is identifying uh, what I call kind of your super skills, which are these skills that you love to use. So it's a little bit different than like a passion or an interest around criminology, or in my case, around productivity, psychology, neuroscience, and that sort of thing. Because these are like, these are the types of tools that you love to use with your brain. So for me, that's things like, I mean, I, that's things like analysis and how do I streamline something to make it easier, faster, better. And I love that kind of puzzle optimization problem. And I then, anytime I'm considering any career change or job, and certainly before I left my comfy corporate job to be an entrepreneur, I said, like, how much am I going to be using these things that when I'm using them, work doesn't feel like work. And when you can find those things like that passion and those super skills, that's where your ADHD success can take off because I'll read books about productivity on the weekends, on vacation, because I think like I'll chat about this all day long. Like coaching doesn't feel like work to me because this is like one of my favorite topics. and. That's a secret because I don't have unlimited energy and it, it keeps me working when I'm not working. Gotcha. And I, I, and I hear that. And I know that one of your, um, you, you said work doesn't feel like work and you have a sort of a tagline going on your LinkedIn where you help ADHDers not hate work. 
And I find it interesting because I don't hate work. I love work. I probably could work all the time. I really have to make sure that I stop because I do get exhausted. I mean, even the fast brain gets tired and needs to get off at the station, right? Mm -hmm. Talk to me about how you help your clients not hate work. Yeah. I mean, so, and then maybe just for, for your listeners that, that don't experience that hating of work because you obviously really enjoy it. Like I think for me, so here was my experience as an inattentive ADHD or growing up who wasn't diagnosed until 34. I was a naturally good test taker and I had a good social support structure. And so, but throughout school, I would like have legendary levels of procrastination. I couldn't get myself to do work and I didn't know why my mom knew why she just said it's because Aaron's lazy and thinks he's better than doing the work and he shouldn't have to, but that, that wasn't my experience. I was like, why am I not doing this? And, you know, so then, then of course the, the deadline hits and panic strikes. And then all of a sudden my brain would kick into gear and I would get the thing done. So Growing up, I made it through school and even did so well on my tests and stuff that I made it into Harvard uh, and had enough support and structure to do that. But in reality, that wasn't necessarily a good thing for me because I didn't have the foundation to sustain it. And so college was miserable for me. But a, a key part of that is, so I hated schoolwork growing up, right? Because it was just this endless exercise in honestly, futility and then, and then intense personal pain. So then, then now keep in mind. So then I, you know, drop out of Harvard twice, finally end up graduating, uh, by the skin of my teeth and Harvard and other schools, they're actually incentivized that are competing for world rankings are incentivized to help you graduate, even though I did everything to try to not graduate because it affects their ranking, how many people actually graduate versus not and they helped me get through when I got through and got my degree, whoop-de-woo, awesome. But then I started work and it's not like these issues were solved. And so it was like, okay, if I want to succeed at work, I am going to let all my work pile up. Then I'm going to freak out over the weekend, use the panic to get the stuff done and then go through that. But that's a really uncomfortable way to live your life. And then at that point I was married and my now ex-wife was like, nope, this doesn't fly. You need to be home with me on the weekend. And so then I ended up just doing really badly at work. So I didn't have a, I didn't have an alternative for me. It was very much either or. And so, you know, you go through 30 years plus of this and you kind of learn to freaking hate work. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I didn't answer your question about how do we move past that? <laughs> and so, so for me, you know, it was really shocking. And I honestly thought I would never enjoy work because of that experience. And what I found were three things really make a huge difference. So one is really getting in touch with the, those super skills, mm -hmm. those, those kind of meta skills, they're transferable across domains that you just love using. You're good at using them and they're fun. Like I do puzzles that I do like weird logic puzzles at night for fun on the weekend. Like that's weird. It's not weird. It's just that wouldn't be fun to a lot of other people. So identifying what those things are, because I always knew I was passionate about personal development coaching, but 
there's a bit of a gap, especially with ADHD or the intent of ADHD, where the passion alone isn't enough. Just because I was interested in it didn't mean that I was actually doing anything moving forward in the space. And so one was identifying super skills. Two was having, and that your daughter's story illustrates this perfectly, having a personally meaningful goal, like something that you're genuinely excited about. Right. And I'll tell you, in my corporate jobs, I wasn't really excited about it, but I did get excited about bettering myself and learning how to manage people, learning how to manage projects and doing all that. And so that gave me some direction. It also gave me a chance to like, I wonder if I can get promoted. I wonder if I can play at a higher level than I've been kind of failing for 15 years. So that's number two. And then number three is really about, especially with inattentive ADHD, where we're we're not driven by a motor, where it's hard to get off the couch, is having a really streamlined productivity system. And I know that you've got lots of productivity systems, but one of the things I really teach my clients is, you know, the whole 80-20 principle. And that kind of goes into the whole smash system that you and I were talking about before we recorded, where we just need to basically ask less of ourselves, but we do it strategically. And so when you combine those three things, knowing your super skills, having a goal that really personally excites you, and then having a strategy where you actually don't need to work your tail off. Right. Those three things really transformed my ability to stop hating work and have done so for a lot of clients, mine. God. I'm taking it all in. Just bear with me. Uh, yeah, sorry. That was a lot. That was a dumb. No, it's great. It's wonderful. And it's rare that a fast brain like mine is at loss for words. So good for you, Aaron, for shutting me down. So super skills, personally meaningful goal, streamlined productivity systems. And yep. when I find so interesting, I think all of us can benefit from streamlined productivity systems. But where I really want to delve next is this idea of asking less of ourselves strategically, because Mm. one of the things I talk about is to be truly productive, we need to learn how to be intentionally unproductive. And I feel like those two things kind of might be in the same zone. Does that resonate for you? Honestly, I'll tell you what resonates is that 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 could actually be a gap or something that I think what you're getting at that probably is something I could, I should add that would make a difference for clients is really kind of that intentional recovery, like scheduling in fun, scheduling in self-care. And the, the reason that I don't have that in my core foundational system is because if you're, if you have inattentive ADHD and you've struggled to be productive your whole life, and what all of my clients, almost without fail, I mean, like it's it's almost funny when I when I have these intro calls or in my group coaching, they almost all come with the exact same thing, at least to me. They say, Aaron, I have this goal, this thing that I really, really want to do. I just have this one little easy problem. I'm not actually doing the stuff. Right. And, you know, a few weeks, I thought no big deal, but it's been, you know, months and I like, I make a little bit of progress and then I don't. And some days I'll make a ton of progress and then I make no progress for a few weeks. And it's just, 
Like it's driving me crazy. I'm, I'm beating myself up. I, what's wrong with me? Like, how can I not do this thing that I want to do? And yeah, so I think, so, so the reason that I don't include the self-care and the scheduling and fun piece, I think is because for me, so many people come at that acute level of something meaningfully important. So a lot of my stuff is how do we build the habit of making progress consistently so that you, right. there's a lot of reasons about why we do that. But yeah, I'm just like, let's just get you in the progress habit. And then maybe at an advanced level, we can look at like recovery and self-care. Oh yeah. That's like, if you're going to write a book, you need to write every day or run away like Brene Brown for an entire weekend and write it over one weekend. But the point is to write a book, you have to write to create a program. You have to create the content for the program to have an incredibly successful TikTok, watch me transition to this, <laughs> you have to have get on TikTok and do all the things that people do on TikTok. And I know so little about TikTok that I'm almost the person that would say the TikTok. <laughs> so I'd love if you were a game to transition to talk to me about TikTok because the people who I know who are doing this are wildly successful. I just can't get my head around one more social media app. That's me. And I'm a little older than you are. So that could be my old stay in whatever, but I really want to hear about you on TikTok. And to me, I'm guessing it's how you're bringing your message to people, much like I'm bringing my message via my podcast. Absolutely. So just a slight aside, Catherine, I mean, I'm one of the core parts of my productivity approach is about doing as much cutting out, right? Like addition by subtraction, what can you eliminate? So I'm good with you not taking on another social media platform. I mean, honestly, the only reason that any of my socials right now get love and attention outside of like my core stuff on TikTok is just because I've delegated it. And between my admin and software that will push content out so that my audience can consume it on whichever platform they like, Right. But if I were you, I wouldn't take on anything new. I mean, there's also opportunities in Clubhouse and all sorts of things. And especially with ADHD, shiny object syndrome, but also as Nirayal says in Indistractable, there's the desire to shift to something when something gets hard and uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're growing, you're growing a business, you know, you've been dealing with the the post-cancer stuff and, you know, and your family and, and all sorts COVID. And I mean, yeah, you've got, you've got plenty on your plate. And so anyway, I digress. That was just a little bit of an aside. Thanks. I'm not doing TikTok, but I'm interested in Good. it. All right. We're on the same page. And I actually, I actually watch it mostly cat videos, but I do watch TikTok a little bit because I'm just kind of like putting a toe in the water and seeing there you go. how it feels. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Yes. And my wife and I have a 11 year old kitty jazzy and she likes to, my life, my wife only watches cat videos and sends them to me. And I find about 10% of them funny, which very much distracted her on the other 90%. Don't tell her. Shh. Oh no. She, she knows she sees She's like, you don't think this is hilarious. And I'm like, yeah, no, no. Uh, okay. So I digress. TikTok. Yeah. What was the question on TikTok? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. The question was, how are you using it? Or 
you know, are you using it as a platform yeah. to get the message out? What's your goal yeah. with TikTok? So there's a really interesting lesson for me in there. So just to contextualize the TikTok piece, when I first started this hidden ADHD, but it was as a side hustle while I was doing my Fortune 500 job, my platform is YouTube. And one of the things that I work with people that have like these longer term goals, if you can really break it down to like the, what are the key things I need to do? And so for me, it was like, if I just focus on the inputs, the outputs will follow. So I think it was, I started with two videos a week and then one video a week, you know, started adjusting my expectations. And just as a caveat, all that was still with outsourcing video editing, even outsourcing someone to do all the thumbnails and post it because that takes like an hour if you've ever done a YouTube posting. So Catherine's nodding. And <laughs> so why do you think I don't have very many videos up? <laughs> right, exactly. But have if you outsource that and have the systems in place, they'd all be up. Right. You know. Absolutely. So which you know, and I'm not telling you saying you don't know. But anyway, I digress. So I was just, you know, regularly pumping out really meaty content on YouTube and getting some engagement. But, you know, it's like you can only get the comment so many times on your videos like, holy crap, this is so good. Your channel should have way more views and subscribers. You're like, okay, yeah, but that doesn't help. Like, I agree with you, but YouTube's algorithm doesn't agree. So, so yes, I was just churning stuff out for like six months. And then my wife, who had been on TikTok watching cat videos, you know, said, you really need to, to do this. And... I said, I don't know, blah, blah. But she she kind of, she she harped on me on it. And then, um, do you know Ali Matu of the Psych Show on YouTube? And no, also, not aware. He's been on a few TV shows like Netflix, The Mind Explained. He's interviewed. Yeah. Anyway, he's a psychologist, specializes in anxiety and a few other things. And, uh, but he also has like, you know, 100,000 plus YouTube channel. And my wife uh, was at Columbia with him. And so they, they know each other. And so she was talking to him and they were talking about a, a case that I think he had referred to her because they're both psychologists. And she mentioned that I was starting my thing. And he's like, Oh, I would get on TikTok," And I was like, Oh, wow. Okay. So she's like, I'm like, all right, this is someone other than Rachel telling me. And so that kind of got it over the edge. And then, yeah, so I just, I started posting. And of course I had a bunch of like content that I'd already produced on YouTube. So, I mean, I had a lot of great content to share. I started posting and a few things surprised me. I'll share three things that surprised me. One, I, it got me reconnected with my internal center of attention ham side. I think I'd been disconnected from that and forgot that it's something that I really enjoy and that I actually like performing and being on stage and making people laugh and doing all that. So, and by the that, way, the ones I've watched are funny. Oh, thank you. It's fun to watch you on TikTok. Thank you. I super appreciate that. So that was one. Two was um, that the content that did best, which which really just shocked me, because was just meeting people where they are. Right. Right. Not saying here's 10 things to do that are going to improve, but just say, you know what, here's what it looks like to procrastinate with ADHD. And people just, they feel not alone. They feel seen, they feel gotten. And it's, you know, ADHD can be a very lonely condition mm. and situation where you just, 
you know, like these clients I described to you that are just like, I have this thing that I really want to do and I'm not doing it, which is a problem because I'm never going to be able to leave this job I hate, or I'm never going to do what I truly want in life, or I'm going to be broke, or I'm going to do this. Like for them to not feel so alone and be like, oh, other people also struggle with the same thing has really done that. And then I think the third thing is that I'm certainly not a fan of people, you know, getting diagnosed on TikTok, but there's a whole group of people that have sought out diagnoses or at least opinions from doctors or licensed mental health professionals because of content they've seen on TikTok. Mm -hmm. And as someone that would have never guessed ADHD in a million years, if you gave me a, if you asked me what was causing my problems, I understand the value in someone being like, oh, that's ADHD. Oh, well, maybe that's why I've failed out of five jobs, or maybe that's why I can't start my business. Like, and then they they get the help they need. So I think those three things have been really surprising to me. I think that's great. Love it. And I can't believe we're nearing the end here. You know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to do a part two. We're, doing, or, uh, we're definitely doing a part two because we really haven't even delved into your whole story, which we're not gonna do now. I'm gonna ask you what your favorite productivity pointer is. And since this is the holiday season, if it's one that's useful to the holidays, great. If it's not, that's okay too. But I figure I'd just throw that out there. Sure. Wow, my favorite. That's hard. For anyone, you can choose one of many. Choosing. Can I pick three? Here, here's the three. So I already alluded to one of them, which was kind of the 80-20 principle. And if you can find high impact actions, you can work less because if you do the high impact actions, two is, and this was really huge for me, is to match doing the action with your biology. So understanding chronobiology and that there's certain times of the day when hard actions are doable and most of the rest of the day, they can be literally out of reach uh, for us ADHD years. And then thirdly is just annihilating distractions, especially with inattentive ADHD, really giving your, your brain the time to spend delving into that tough task, you know, kind of the Cal Newport idea of deep work being rare and valuable and more so in today's distracted world, you give yourself that time you really can move the needle forward. So those are the three, I would say. Right. And I have to tell you, and I could talk to each of these, but I'll try not to. For annihilating distractions, one of mine is the phone is either in a container in the office, closed so I can't see it, or if I'm really having to focus, it's in the kitchen. So I work from home. And then the second thing I want to say to this is that chronobiology, I am on fire in the morning. I get really aggravated if I have to do something that's not brain activity first thing in the morning because now I've lost my key brain time of the day. So we're recording, and no one would know this, we're recording at one o'clock in the afternoon. I can be on fire talking about stuff with people in the afternoon. Guess when most of my meetings are? The afternoon. And I do my deep work, that Cal Newport work. I try to choose one morning where I can have three to four hours uninterrupted time to focus in and get stuff done. So totally hear you on the chronobiology. I, I, I love it. And I think it's so funny because I mean, that's yeah, like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done this call in the morning myself because I have the exact same block and I do the same thing 
coaching is all in the afternoon. Yes, I'm not at peak productivity, but there's just the ADHD brain and the concept of the body doubling. When there's another human involved, our brain will engage. And so afternoon, if you're a morning chronotype, which about 75% of people are, is just a really great time for meetings. But then again, afternoons are generally a slump for everybody, whether you're a morning or evening chronotype. So take Catherine's advice and and I'm going to second that of see if as much as you can arrange meetings for the afternoon. And the other thing you can do is if you do have something that's high powered in the afternoon, this is coming up for me, I'm going to give a talk at noon on a Thursday. Take a walk, go outside, move your body. And even if it's for 10, 15 minute walk around the block, around your office building, whatever, it really makes a difference. It will get you back in the zone again and give you that energy that we really need. And I think that will also apply for inattentive ADHD. But if I'm wrong, please correct me. Well, it will a little bit less so. I mean, obviously exercise is good. I mean, they say if they could put exercise in a pill, it would be the miracle drug. The other thing they say that about is sleep, actually more more so about sleep. But nonetheless, exercise is good for all of us, right? Mood, stress management, you know, certainly clears up our head. We do get the endorphins. I'd say that at the hyperactive, it's really, really important because otherwise you're going to have just way too much of that motor energy going on in your body or mind. Right. So it's valuable for inattentive. It's not as critical. Right. And then just to answer your kind of second part about the holidays, you know, I think, so here's, here's my take just to keep on the theme I've been going on. So is I'm a huge fan of being more productive by doing less. And the great part about that is that it really scales nicely because you can always add more things that you're doing, but basically the doing less part is only about getting those high impact things done consistently. Right. The the reason the consistency builds momentum, like Teresa uh, Amabel or whatever, Harvard Business School, progress principle, like, you know, wins after wins. But what that means though, for the holidays is you're going to probably be less focused. So, or you're going to have additional focuses around socializing and relaxing. So just pare it down to those few high value things and about the administrivia and the the minutia that can wait till, you know, the new year or, you know, just don't sweat the small stuff. As long as you push your big goals forward, then you won't be stressed. I do a lot of the administrivia the week between Christmas and New Year's because it's so quiet. You get mm. so much focus work done. So I'll do really super focused projects in the morning where I'm using the high brain power in the afternoon, like knock off all that filing and stuff you didn't do that you just need to get done. So yeah, know, that's how cool. I work that one. Thank you for coming on. How do people reach you? How can they find you? Just Google hidden ADHD. The hidden just refers to going under the radar is if you do have the inattentive type, it can be more hidden. So just Google that. You'll find website, TikTok, whatever. We've got like a free five-day email crash course, got 10 productivity mistakes that all ADHDers make. Those are all free resources that have been really well-received by people. So you can just grab yourself a copy on our website. Super. Well, again, thank you so much. I'm so glad you came on the show. You've all look up Aaron, follow him on TikTok if it's not their thing. I know that 
various of your videos go out to other places so you can find them on any social media. And thank you again for coming on. Really appreciate you. Thank you, Catherine. This was an absolute pleasure and we'll have to do it again sometime. Sounds great. You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office podcast with Catherine Avery. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and www.productivitybydesign.com. Do you find the holidays completely overwhelming because you're trying to do all the things? For most of us, the perfect holiday is something we only see in a Hallmark movie. But we can have holidays with less stress and more joy. I'm very excited to introduce the Uncluttered Holidays program. It's the gift you give yourself. You can find it at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y backslash holidays program. And yes, there's an S in holidays, bit.ly holidays program. I'll be sure to put it in the show notes. I hope I'll see you there. And if you've liked what you've heard, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews will help even more people find the gifts in their productivity challenges. Thanks for listening and see you next week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's voices amplified.